Welcome to Harvest Birth Stories. My name is Sophie Grace and I will be your host for this podcast. We want to share empowering birth stories all across the United States and beyond and encourage mothers all around the world to um, feel proud and feel empowered by any story that they may have um, experienced. So, I will get into the podcast. Thank you. So today we have a new friend, Olivia, and she is going to speak about her birth story. So welcome, Olivia, and introduce yourself a little bit and tell us um, who you have at home right now. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, So my name is Olivia. Um, I'm married to my husband, Austin, and then we just have one little girl, Stella, who will be um, one here at the end of December. So yeah. And you said you have some dogs. Did you? Yes. Want to introduce your dogs as well? <laughs> sure, why not? Yeah, we have a, a little Lhasa Opso who is quite the crabby little guy. Um, his name's Charlie. <laughs> uh, and then we have a big black lab, so it's quite the quite the duo. And her name's Piper. So yeah, I can't. They can't decide if they like each other or hate each other. Kind of just depends on the day. But <laughs> you know, I'm kind of the same way too. So <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, so let's talk about a little bit, um, your journey of getting pregnant and how you guys decided that you or maybe you didn't decide whatever you decided (laughs) to start a family yeah so um we got married in um the end of 2016 and we kind of always knew like we wanted to have a lot of kids and so right from the get-go you know I did stop taking birth control um and we just kind of waited to see if anything would happen we were never really like not not trying but never like actively trying I guess yeah Um, so I did find out then in I believe it was May of um 2021 that I was pregnant so it was kind of a surprise so it did take quite a while I guess but again we weren't like actively trying so it's kind of hard to say but um, right definitely longer than we expected so Yeah. And so tell us a little bit about your pregnancy with Stella and all that jazz. Yeah. um, So I did not have the greatest pregnancy, just to preface that, Um, you know, right from the get go, I would say like the first like couple weeks, like maybe weeks, like four through seven ish, I felt like, okay, you know, didn't really have a whole lot of morning sickness, anything like that. Um, Mm -hmm. But then around like, week seven I I wasn't so much nauseous but there was it was like every smell just made me (laughs) gag and gag and gag to the point that I would throw up like multiple times a day just from gagging so yeah not very fun um and then I did also start like bleeding around between like week six and seven um and so yeah really scary so we did go into the ER um and luckily there was a little heartbeat so she was okay um but I was having like a little subchorionic hemorrhage yep um 
which kind of just like I feel like really like set the tone for like the rest of my pregnancy like I think before that I kind of and also I should preface to it so I am a NICU nurse um, Mm -hmm. at Essentia in Fargo so I kind of sometimes end up seeing like the worst of the worst I guess yeah um so from that point on I was just like extremely anxious like about Uh everything yeah do you know um my friend Kylie she's a NICU nurse there too oh yes I do yeah yeah I I know Kylie (laughs) yeah (laughs) I did her wedding a couple years ago (laughs) oh that's awesome yeah she she's one of my good buddies she's hilarious I love yeah she is so funny (laughs) anyway um so was there anything else uh, just keep going on about your pregnancy, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so no, I mean, it was just like really severe anxiety about like everything. Like at my, I think it was like 12 week appointment, they like couldn't find her heartbeat with the Doppler. And I was seeing, um, I should say too, I was seeing the midwives at Essentia. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, they couldn't find her heartbeat. So then they had to like bring the ultrasound machine in and she was fine, luckily just hiding from us. Um, <laughs> but I had like... Um, my midwife let me take like a picture of her just like with my phone mm-hmm. and I was like convinced from this picture that like the top of her head was missing just like really weird uh, yeah like, irrational things I mean I guess I shouldn't say irrational but very unlikely things yeah and so like I was so nervous for um like my anatomy scan and thought for sure something was gonna be wrong and just like not a good yeah Well, like you said, like you're a NICU nurse, so it's like you're exposed to all of these things on the daily. A lot of people, I feel like, naively go into pregnancy just, you know, knowing the bare minimum. And you you went into it knowing the worst of everything. So, and it's, I mean, I feel like lately, um, you know, friends are coming forward with like miscarriages and all that stuff. Like, I feel like it's talked about a lot more now than it used to be. So, which is good and bad. Sometimes ignorance is bliss, right? (laughs) Right. No, for sure. Yeah. That's like, even my mom was saying, she's like, when I was pregnant with you, like I never even thought anything could go wrong. You know, she's like, I just didn't really know it could go wrong. Right. Yeah. And you're like, I know. I know all the right. things. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, if you wanted to touch on your care team, you could, if you wanted to tell about how you decided to go with the midwives before we continue on. Yeah, so I've always, like, been, like, obviously very, like, fascinated with, like, babies and birth. And, like, I remember being, like, you know, eight years old and, like, watching, like, um that whatever that TLC show was yeah I can't remember a baby story or whatever so just like (laughs) always like so obsessed um and I always thought it would be kind of like cool to do like a home birth or you know something like that but I just couldn't really bring myself to with everything that I've you know seen so um yeah but um with Stella wants your attention. I was going to say, I might have to go put yeah. Cassian really quick. Yep, go do it. Okay, sounds good. Okay, I think she's happy again for the moment, so. <laughs> I love how I could, like, hear her, and then I can hear your dogs drinking water. Like, yeah. it's so funny. It's a what? good time over here today. 
Yeah, no, it, these are so casual. People get very worked up about it. I'm like, it's just like we're talking back and forth, like we're friends. Right. It does not have to be perfect. It does not have to be like studio amazing. Like it's very, very, very casual. I like it. Yes. Anyway, so I think we kind of left off um, about how you picked your midwife Oh, yes. Yes. So I was seeing the midwives and they were absolutely wonderful. I was seeing Denise Powell um, Mm -hmm. as my primary. I did eventually, as we'll find out later, have some um, problems that led me to have to switch over to the OBs um, and they were absolutely wonderful as well. So I was seeing um, Dr. Lynn Mm -hmm. um, towards the end of my pregnancy. So they're all literally all great. I have nothing bad to say about any of the midwives or OBs. I feel like I had great care. So yeah, I delivered at Ascension too. And I just feel like everybody in the birth team is like top par. (laughs) They are for sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just, I guess keep kind of going on if you wanted to kind of get into, I have no idea um, we are just meeting, so I don't know anything about your story. Yeah. So just kind of like continue on about what maybe you'd want to talk about or like what happened and whatnot. Yeah. So um, then kind of the next thing was, so I like, I did have my 20 week scan. Everything was perfectly fine, contrary to what I thought was going to happen. <laughs> um, um, and then I will say like around 16 ish weeks, my blood pressure was started to get high. Mm-hmm. And you know, at first it was kind of like, okay, maybe it's just you're anxious, you know, so it's high. But then I would check it at home when I wasn't anxious and it was still high. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like, you know, crazy, like dangerous range. It was maybe like one, you know, 30s over high 80s, just higher than mine normally is. Yep. Um, So kind of going forward, I... I guess I'll just say this. So my daughter was like a very lazy baby. Like she <laughs> never really moved while I was pregnant. I mean, she did, but like minimally. Mm-hmm. So I was always convinced like something was wrong with her, mm-hmm. um, that she wasn't moving enough. I thought like, is there a knot in her cord? Just like all kinds of like crazy, crazy thoughts. Yeah. Um, so I did finally, they did put me on... Um, a couple different anxiety meds, maybe around like 24-ish weeks. Yeah. And that definitely did help. You know, I wouldn't say it like took it away, but it kind of made it like bearable at least. Yep. Um, and so again, my blood pressure just kind of kept creeping up and up and up. And um, so I was having like twice a week like nsts and biophysicals and that whole shebang starting at like 30 <laughs> weeks so that got to be a lot um and then let's see i think it was christmas eve i was like feeling just like super awful and i was getting like crazy like blood pressure readings like at home like 190 over oh. like really high yeah yeah, so I ended up, they ended up admitting me just to do, like, some serial blood pressures, do labs, all that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, and I just, like, I'll just say this. I just had, like, a really bad, you know, like, on top of being anxious, just, like, this, like, feeling of doom, like, something, like, awful was going to happen. Something like, wasn't was, right. Yeah, yeah, just, like, almost like a mom's instinct, like, just something's out of whack here. Yeah. 
Um, so, you know, they did, I did have some high blood pressures, but no more that were in like that, like very severe range. So they ended up starting me, well, they tried labetalol and then ended up having to switch to something else. Cause I just had some kind of weird side effects, but, um, and then I did get betamethasone. So the steroid for her lungs. Cause at that point I was like just barely 34 weeks. So, yeah. So definitely scary. Um, and then I did get sent home. So I stayed the night. Of, so I spent all of Christmas in the hospital. So my husband and I had Christmas oh. in the hospital. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> yeah, it was a little sad. But um, and then the next day, so the 26th, we went home. Um, and then I guess this is like, kind of getting into like, her actually being born. I don't know if yeah. you there's anything um, else. Before we go into that, let's just talk about if you did any sort of like birth prep prior to like all of these issues arising. Like, did you decide you wanted to do any like classes or any preparation or like what was your birth? Um, like if you had an ideal birth plan, what were you kind of planning or hoping for? Yes. Very good question. So <laughs> You know, initially in my pregnancy, I thought for sure, like I was gonna, well, I shouldn't say for sure, I was gonna do my best to have an unmedicated birth just because I have seen like, and not that epidurals are bad by any mean, means, mm-hmm. but you know, like sometimes it can cause people's blood pressures to drop and just, you know, like an unnecessary thing if I could do it without. Yep. Um, but then as it got closer with the amount of anxiety that I was having, I just felt like everything was so out of control. Like I just, so I kind of started to transition towards, you know, I think like, I felt like I had already been through so much. Yeah. I was like, I just don't think I like, I want an epidural. Like, I don't think I can, like, I'm just not in a good headspace, you know, that I would need to be in to be able to persevere through an unmedicated birth. Right. And that's like such an important realization that you made and kind of like taking back some of the control I guess too for everything that was going on it probably kind of felt like it was a decision you could make absolutely yeah it it was one of those things that felt like was actually like in my hands when I did feel like so out of control and like I was just spiraling yeah Um, and yeah, I guess we did, like, Essentia does offer just, like, a birthing class, and I didn't really feel like I needed to go because, I mean, I literally attend births, yeah. you know, weekly, if not, you know, a couple times a week at work. Right. So, but I figured for my husband it would be good to just at least, you know, kind of have, like, a basic idea. And then I did read, oh, I can't remember who it's by, but, like, that hypnobirthing, and that was kind of more when I was planning to do an unmedicated birth. Yeah. But... I figured it would also, you know, still be beneficial, even if I did end up getting an epidural. So, yep. I mean, every uh, bit of education you can get is always beneficial, I think. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So if you want to, you could start kind of like going into um, everything and how it spiraled down and whatnot, if you wanted to, like, how did the beginning start? Yeah. So like I said, I got um, discharged. Um, the morning of the 26th and then that day the 26th we ended up going out to my husband's parents they live on a farm just south of Argo Um, so we went out there to have our family Christmas and had a good time and whatever but I just like felt awful 
mm-hmm. by the time we got home and it was like a massive blizzard too so that was like oh really yeah stressful driving home yeah yeah I do um, remember that because my friend gave birth on Christmas and then had to drive home in that massive blizzard yeah it was like really bad out so mm-hmm. yeah so we came home that night and I was like geez like I had like a horrible headache and I was I should mention too I like did like start swelling like really early on in pregnancy too Mm-hmm. It just seemed kind of odd. I mean, like, I know you get swollen, but, like, more than normal, right. you know? Yeah. And, yeah, so I had, like, a really bad headache and just got, like, super, super swollen. And mm. I did check my blood pressure at home, and it was, like, through the roof again. Like, you knew. Yes. So we went yep. back in, um, and at this point, I was 34 weeks and four days, and um, they did labs and everything, and I was diagnosed with severe preeclampsia. Mm-hmm. Um, so they did um, start my induction, mm-hmm. which I was glad that they, you know, I was kind of worried that they were going to say, all right, we're just going to section you, you know, but um, it was Dr. Lynn, actually, who was on, and he said, oh, no, like, we'll give you a chance to... Yeah labor and everything so yeah I guess around 1 a.m the morning of the 27th is when they kind of started everything Mm. um so I did get a magnesium bolus and then was on a mag drip and I don't know if you've ever it's not fun (laughs) (laughs) it like makes you feel completely miserable so I've heard that I have no idea but I had another friend who um had her baby I think she's like a month older than my son and she had severe preeclampsia and was on the magnesium for like a week she was in the hospital oh gosh yeah I didn't get better afterwards and she was scary it was just miserable yeah it's horrible it's like almost like a I don't know it's almost like a horrible like drunk hungover like you feel like you're or like on something just like a horrible feeling and you're hot and sweaty and throwing up and just not fun so that was kind of how it all started um and then they did check me at that time too and they like really couldn't even get to my cervix because it was so posterior Mm -hmm. um but he finally did and I was completely closed and thick and the whole nine yards so um they did have to, of course, do some cervical ripening. Um, yep. They wanted to do, like, the Foley balloon, um, but I had to be at least, like, a fingertip dilated for them to even be able to get it in. So um, I did get two um, oral doses of side attack and then mm-hmm. two, like, vaginal doses. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that night, so the night of the 27th, I also got... Um, they did some Cervidel, which is like almost like a little tampon thing yeah. to put in. So, um, and that was fine. It, I was having, you know, at that time, just some, I would say like mild contractions and they were pretty like irregular, mm-hmm. um, but I was definitely like, you know, feeling something. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the like cervical ripeners, this is something I never knew. It like makes you like really really raw so like getting checked was like horrible like absolutely horrible oh I didn't know that like it could cause um that but my cousin said that when she got induced like the checks were the worst like at one point she's like I'm not letting you check me until I get an epidural yeah yeah they're horrible (laughs) (laughs) 
And I never experienced that. So I was like, that's so strange. Yeah. No, it, I did not enjoy getting checked. I, for me, that was like the worst part. So. Oh, sounds so uncomfortable. Anyway, continue on. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, let's see. So after they put in that Cervidil that night, um, I was starting to have some more contractions, um, but they were, I was like able to easily get through them. Mm -hmm. Um, and the kicker with the mag, um, drip is that you really can't like be up and moving at all. Like you're pretty much, um, my nurse was really nice and did let me like get on like a birth ball, just like right beside my bed. She helped me Mm -hmm. onto it. Um, but yeah, really not able to like move around much. So that was kind of miserable, like being stuck. Just because, like, you are so, like, delirious or... Yeah, and it can make you, like, unsteady, you know, just kind of, like, a fall hazard, so... Yeah, yeah, I suppose it's just kind of, uh, you know, drowsy, gross Yeah, yeah, kind of loopy, so... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so that was, like, not very fun, Um, and then kind of just did that through the night, really didn't make any change um that next morning probably around like 7 30 so this would be like the morning of the let's see 28th so like I don't know probably we've been doing this for like eight hours now something like that (laughs) um uh Dr. Holman was the provider on and she came in right away and she wanted to check me and I was like I I don't think you can like it hurts so bad so she ended up actually ordering fentanyl which I was like uh, do we really need this? But I was like, at this point, like I can't handle it. So I got fentanyl and that did slightly barely help a little bit. <laughs> um, and she checked me at that time and I was only a one, which was, I mean, kind of good, kind of bad because at this point, then they felt like they could start Pitocin, which, you know, mm-hmm. obviously would have never been in my plan initially, yeah. but at this point I wanted to get somewhere, you know, with things. So yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think it was, yeah, probably around like eight that morning. Um, yeah. they started Pitocin and, um, yeah, my contractions went from like a zero to like a 10, like real quick with that. Um, yeah, I've heard that it, uh, makes things a bit intense. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. And yeah, they, they were getting to be a lot more regular too at that mm-hmm. time. Um, then after that, I know one of, so our, with my daughter being, you know, under 35 weeks at Essentia is an automatic NICU admission just for prematurity. So we pretty much knew, you know, she was going to have to go to the NICU after she was born. Yep. Um, and so one of our NICU providers just kind of came in and did a consult and talked with, you know, especially my husband, just kind of let him know what we could expect and everything when she came. So that was nice. Yeah. How did that kind of make you feel being on the other side of it since you're kind of, you know, on the one side normally? Um, It was kind of, you know, like I did feel like I knew what to expect, you know, mm-hmm. but I also, that being said, there's kind of a wide array of things that can happen with 34 weekers you know sometimes we see them do really really well and sometimes we see them struggle a lot so I was definitely Mm -hmm. nervous you know but I also knew that my daughter would be getting care from the very best you know so I felt very at ease with that but those NICU suites at Essentia they're so nice yes they're super duper nice (laughs) um 
So after you got the Pitocin, what kind of transpired after that? Um, so yeah, then I would say like mid morning, um, Dr. Holman came back in and she did say like, just because you like, normally I wouldn't recommend getting an epidural this early, but because like the checks are so painful for you, you know, and like you're on May, you're stuck in bed. Yeah. Um, she said I could get an epidural if I wanted to. Um, Mm -hmm. so I was like, well, I'm going to tough it out for a little bit longer um, and then I think around like noonish, she came in and checked me and I was still a one. Mm. And so I was like, okay, like, I'm just going to get it because at this point, like we're kind of slow moving. Yeah. Yeah. It can take a long time when it's like that early. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I think around like one, the anesthesiologist came in, um, and he was the kindest man. He made me laugh so hard. So yeah. And it was really, for me, it wasn't like, I mean, I was obviously having like pretty fairly intense contractions at this time. So that was like the worst part having to, you know, sit in that hunched over position and stay still. Yeah. Um, The actual like epidural itself was not painful at all. Yeah. and did did like you know I you know how you said earlier that sometimes epidurals can drop your blood pressure when that was one of the reasons you didn't want to get one did it ever end up actually doing that like to benefit you you know what I was gonna say that that was another thing that Dr. Holman had kind of said that it might you know actually help and it I mean it maybe did a tiny bit it definitely didn't drop my blood pressure so (laughs) um yeah it maybe did a little but because I, I was say. just thinking, I was like, okay, well, if that's like one of the like side effects of an epidural, maybe that's good for preeclampsia. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, it definitely, she mentioned that. And yeah, I definitely don't think, it didn't make it worse, but I don't know how yeah. much it helped either. So did you get some rest after you got that? Um, A little bit. Yes. Uh, they did put the Foley balloon in like right after I got my epidural. So mm-hmm. after that, I kind of. Yeah, I think they dozed a little bit. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure for, like, my whole, it was, like, 49 hours from start to finish, my induction. And I think I maybe slept for, like, three hours total in that time. So it was, yeah, I was a little bit more comfortable, but it's also kind of, I don't know, I almost felt, like, claustrophobic having it. Like, I didn't like that feeling of, like, somebody, like, yeah, and, like, somebody... I could hardly, I mean, I could move my legs a little bit, but like I could not turn myself over or roll over anything. So it was either my husband or the nurse would have to, you know, turn me side to side and they did get me a peanut ball and everything. So that kind of felt good, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, How much, or just, I mean, guess, I guess kind of continue on like what happened or how much longer it took and whatnot. So, yeah. So um, let's see. I think it was, yeah, around 9 p.m., uh, Dr. Holman came in and checked me again, and I was still at a one. Oh, that's so frustrating. It was so frustrating. At this point, I was starting to get kind of nervous that they were going to say, like, you know, call it, like, failure to progress. And, yeah. You know, recommend a C-section, but it never, nobody even mentioned it. So I was mm-hmm. really appreciative that they were, you know, kept letting me try. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, she checked me about nine and then I think it was around midnight. 
So this would be midnight on the 29th. So it's now been like almost 48 hours. Mm. Um, I was like starting to have a lot of pain again, like with contractions. So the anesthesiologist came in again and kind of redid my epidural a little and that helped a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And then things kind of went from yeah, like a zero to a 10 here. Um, really? so yeah, at like one twenty, I felt just like a big pop and my water broke. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. Just like on its own. So I was kind of surprised. I was not expecting that at all. Yeah. Um, there's also some blood, like a fair amount too. So I think my nurse was like a little bit nervous. Um, and then right when my water broke, um, my daughter did start having some D cells. Oh. Uh, so they like you know did the whole roll me on my side put oxygen on and yep. at this point I was like starting to get kind of like panicked you know just because like I've been on the other side you know yep. as a NICU you know. nurse you know <laughs> exactly and of course my husband was like in they have like a little snack room and he's like over in the snack room just like you know having <laughs> a nice time chatting on the phone with his mom getting some snacks and yeah. I was like, can somebody just, like, go get my husband, please? <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind Man. of funny. Man, they're just so delusional. <laughs> Seriously, I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so then he um, came back in and kind of right after all this transpired, they did check me again. I think it was, like, 1.40 a.m. And I was a six. Mm. Um, and I should mention, so at like one twenty, when my water broke, she did try to pull the um, Foley bulb or whatever to see if it would come out. And it usually is supposed to come out around like three centimeters mm-hmm. and it still wouldn't come out. So she was like, well, you must not quite be three centimeters yet. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So that was at one twenty. Then at one forty, they did check me and I was a six. Wow. Um, so yeah, pretty fast. And then, so like 20 minutes later at like two, I was having just like a lot of pressure. Like it was, I feel like my epidural was like pretty good. Cause like I said, I could still move my legs and like definitely feel like the contractions, you know, but they weren't painful, but I could still feel like a lot of the pressure. Yep. Um, so yeah, it just started to get like really intense. So then uh, one of the nurses came in again and checked me and I was complete. So basically I went from like a less than a three to a 10 in like 40 minutes. That's so crazy to me. Yeah, it was wild. And I guess I, this is something I didn't know either, but one of the nurses had told me that apparently with preeclampsia, it's like once your body realizes, like, it's like, I need to get the baby out. So it can happen sometimes. It's almost like a little bit precipitous with, you know, once you finally go into active labor. So interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. And so then, of course, with her being, you know, under 35 weeks, some of my lovely co-workers had to come to my delivery. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a little, you know, I, I wouldn't say awkward. They were so, like, respectful of me. And my sweet friend Peyton, she literally just, because my whole pregnancy, I kept saying, I hope I don't have to have NICU come. Yeah. So she just stood in the corner looking away with her head down while I was pushing. And so I was like, mm-hmm. God bless your soul. She was so sweet. and. respectful and yeah how did pushing go for you so I am not entirely sure the exact time I started pushing but I think it was around like 2 15 and my daughter was born at 2 31 nice so and she was 
you know, she was only four pounds, 13 ounces. So it wasn't like I was pushing out some I suppose. baby, but <laughs> yeah, but still, so my, my mom actually had my, my oldest brother at, he must've been like 35 weeks or something like that. She was okay. like a month or a little bit early and she said that that labor was the hardest one, even though he was the smallest. Oh my gosh, that's interesting. Yeah, and like I was the biggest one, and she said that I was the easiest one. Wow, I mean, I guess, yeah. I mean, I think it has, you know, some influence, but at the same time, I mean, I think it's just kind of how baby's positioned, and you know, there's yeah. all sorts of factors. Yeah, I agree. And sometimes I feel like when they're really, sm- like, obviously not in your, your case, because you pushed out pretty pretty effectively yeah uh, sometimes I feel like when they're smaller it's like harder like I just this is what I imagine I don't know if this is clinically (laughs) but like your uterus like can't like get as tight around them you know what I mean that's true yeah yeah I can see that it's in my brain things I don't know if that's right or not I mean it makes sense I I feel (laughs) like I'm on board with that yeah we'll we'll just go with my theory I like it (laughs) anyway continue on continue on with your story and I'll stop interrupting you all the time oh you're good yeah so she um was born at 231 um and then she Dr. Holman did do delayed cord clamping and if I had to estimate I think it was probably like five to ten minutes so that was really Mm -hmm. awesome yeah um and luckily she did come out pink and crying so they Mm -hmm. um did let her stay skin to skin with me, um, which is not always the way it goes with a 34 weeker, unfortunately. So yeah. yeah, she really didn't need any help at all. Um, I think she was skin to skin for maybe like a half hour even. So that was awesome. That's so nice. Yeah, no, I was really glad because I wasn't sure, mm-hmm. you know, would they have to take her right to the warmer if she did need any help at all. So yeah. Um, and then yeah, after that, I did have a second degree tear. Um, that they did, you know, she repaired and, and then they, I did want them to weigh her so I could at least see how big she was before they took her down. So you're like, show me. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So they did weigh her. And then my husband, the plan was that he was going to go down with her. So, um, he went with her and then, yeah, they kind of just, it's crazy how fast they just like clean everything up and uh-huh. you're just back in your bed. So that after birth is like such a blur too, I feel like, cause there's so much adrenaline going on. Yeah. Like, you know, like seeing your baby and whatever. And it's just kind of like a cloud. Like I, at least that's how I feel like it was just kind of like a blurry cloud. No, for sure. Yeah. It's almost like, like almost unreal. Like you can't even believe what just happened almost. Uh-huh. Yeah. So how are you feeling like right after birth with like being like, yes, I had this baby vaginally at least because, you know, you were afraid earlier of having to have a C-section. Oh, I felt awesome. And like, yeah. it was like all my anxiety just like melted, like it went yeah. away immediately. So it was just like, I mean, after like literally months of being like miserably anxious I felt like I could finally like breathe and enjoy life again so it was like the best feeling yeah how was your NICU stay and everything give us a little touch on your your postpartum journey 
yeah so um I guess yeah immediately like I said my husband you know did go with her and I they got me cleaned up and I right away started um pumping because I knew usually 34 weekers aren't efficient at the breast right away Mm -hmm. um so I wanted to just make sure that got initiated um and then yeah probably around like 6 15 and with me being on mag I really couldn't like go down to the NICU um without a labor nurse being with me mm-hmm. so my nurse was so sweet and did take me down there um probably like 6 15 until shift change so I did get to do a little more skin to skin with her and just mm-hmm. kind of snuggle with her and then mm-hmm. um they brought me back up and unfortunately it was like crazy crazy busy on labor and delivery the day she was born um so my day nurse did have another like patient that was actively in labor and so she couldn't take me down all day so Mm -hmm. I didn't get to see my daughter for like 12 hours which Mm. still to this day like kind of bothers me you know like I knew she was in like the very best hands and luckily she did really well she didn't have any you know she didn't have any blood sugar issues any issues with her temp she didn't have any respiratory distress nothing that yeah you know easily could have been a problem she was taking full feeds by bottle so I mean she's doing great um but it was still really hard like I still feel bad thinking about her like wondering where's my mom you know so that's so hard like yeah and I guess I don't, like, I've never experienced it, but I just feel like when you're, like, that, especially first-time mom and all those, like, hormones hit you, too, like, you don't know how to control them. Right. (laughs) And it's so hard to justify things, like, or, like, rationalize things, I should say, in your brain, you know? Right. No, for sure. And and it was like, you know, I remember one of my coworkers who in the NICU, we kind of have, we call it like the NICU curse where like a lot of NICU nurses babies end up in the NICU. Oh. So one of my um, coworkers, her little boy was actually in the NICU and maybe like a couple months ago, she had just kind of asked me, she's like, do you feel like your NICU stay was traumatic? And at first my initial answer was like, no, not at all. Like there's so many moms that go through like so many so much worse you know like really my daughter the only thing she had was to be under the Billy Rubin lights mm-hmm. um because she had some jaundice but so it's like I didn't even feel like I could you know like I felt like so many people have it so much worse but yeah. really when I like look back on it it's like still bothers me to this day like being away from her for that long yeah and, and I think it's like important to note that everybody's experience is valid Right. No matter how big or how small or how long or how short. It's exactly. hard. It's still very, very hard. No, for sure. And I think like overall it's made me like a more like compassionate nurse too to my patients. Mm-hmm. And, you know, also like looking at them more holistically and like remembering mom and like what can we do to like get this baby to breastfeed as soon as possible what can we do to get her down here as soon as possible you know mm-hmm. and so I think really it's like a blessing that it happened but it was like definitely hard at the time um yeah. but um that night um luckily one of our uh NICU doctors was so sweet and said that since she really I mean she really didn't need anything she didn't even need to be under the warmer because she was regulating her own temp so he did 
say that one of the NICU nurses could bring her up to me for like an hour because um, I was still on Meg at this point. So um, she did bring her up to me and I got to breastfeed her a little bit and just cuddle with her. So that was yeah. so, so nice. So I bet she was just so tiny. Oh, she was. Yeah, she. that's like my favorite size baby personally so I was like kind of a little that was like one of the perks of having her early like I think that between like three and a half and four and a half pounds are just like the that's so funny this is my ideal baby size. yeah yeah <laughs> which like not that I would have ever wished for my baby to be early but you know one slight perk I just like think babies that size are so cute and cuddly and <laughs> uh how long did you have to be in the hospital so they actually ended up keeping me, let's see, I believe either three or four nights. So definitely longer than mm-hmm. they typically would for a vaginal delivery. Um, only because my blood pressure still was high. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were trying to get that under control. Um, they did end up keeping me on Procardia for it. And I think I stayed on that for probably like a month postpartum because mm-hmm. it was still a little high Mm. so um it is better now but it took a little while so um and then Stella my daughter was actually discharged the day after I was so we were really lucky that she didn't have yeah she had a very short you know in this grand scheme of things NICU stay so that's so crazy like yeah she was 34 weeks and discharged after what like a weekish time yeah I think it was like six days that's maybe, so crazy so, yeah yeah but I mean it also probably helps that you are a NICU nurse so like going home with you you kind of like knew what to look for as well too right and that's kind of what they said they were like we know that you're gonna like make sure she you know eats enough and yeah she's got like her own personal NICU at home right exactly (laughs) because you are the NICU (laughs) (laughs) exactly um so I guess uh, my other question was you had talked when you were pregnant about your um like mental health struggles did those kind of resolve themselves or improve afterwards or how did your postpartum kind of go if you wanted to talk about that yeah no absolutely so um I you know I did stay on I was on boost bar and Zoloft both and I did stay on those you know initially because I was on really high alert for you know, possibly having postpartum depression or anxiety. Um, But yeah, I ended up like doing really, really well. And I mean, I haven't, I've been like really blessed. I know there are a lot of moms that struggle a lot postpartum and I really haven't with my mental health. Apparently it was just all before I had her. So (laughs) well, um, you you deserved a break. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was awful before. And I, you know, that's one of those things that I really feel like isn't talked about, you know, Mm -hmm. like that the hormonal shift of being pregnant can also Mm -hmm. cause, you know, some problems and like you know in hindsight part of me also wonders if I maybe did have even like a little bit of like OCD too like Mm -hmm. because I had you know like a lot of intrusive thoughts too and like thinking like just like weird thoughts like things that I had like done 
wrong in like high school because I had done that I wasn't gonna my baby was gonna die and I wasn't gonna have a healthy baby because like why did I deserve that like just you know very like outlandish thoughts yeah and you know and it was like to the point where like you know and this is like hard to even say but like I told I remember at one point telling my mom like if I wasn't pregnant with her I don't think I would be alive you know, like, that's mm-hmm. how miserable I was. But, of course, for her, I would have never, you know, done anything to myself. But, yeah, like, that's, like, the depths of, you know, what I was going through. Well, thank you for sharing. It's good. I mean, it's so hard. It's mental health is so hard and so overlooked. But bringing these issues to light is... Um, just kind of, you know, create some sort of little village. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> all know that it's okay. Right, yeah. You've made it through your hardest days. You can make it through the next ones. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, Now you're going to make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, that's fine. <laughs> How did your um, feeding journey go with Stella? Yeah, no, really good question. So like I said... You know, in the NICU, we were doing some, like, um, while she was in the NICU, I pretty much was there for, like, every single feed once I got off the mag. Um, So I would breastfeed her and then give her a bottle. You know, we did consent. We did use some donor milk initially, Mm -hmm. which is so awesome that moms, you know, are willing to donate. Um, And then I would pump after. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of continued on that. But she really, we were doing some like pre and post weights just to see if she was like transferring anything from the breast. And she really was not transferring much mm-hmm. of anything. Um, so we kind of just continued that at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, you know, I think it was a lot to do with she just had kind of a weak suck, which is not uncommon for a 34 yeah, so tiny. <laughs> yeah, so tiny. And so, you know, we had think like maybe three like follow-up lactation visits and she was still just like not really transferring anything mm-hmm. so you know basically we were doing triple feeding which is so sustainable hard. but only for so long oh my gosh so, it's so hard so hard and so I think probably around oh I'm not entirely sure I would say like maybe three weeks to a month I was just like I can't like I'm literally sleeping in like 45 minute increments mm-hmm. like I cannot do this it's so taxing and time consuming it is yes and so I ended up deciding like you know what like I'm just gonna pump for her like I'm just gonna exclusively pump and that's fine mm-hmm. so we did that till she was um six months and then it was like literally the day she turned six months and it's kind of weird but I like when she was little I would always like just go in the bathtub with her and I just like had her skin to skin with me and she was like kind of like rooting and Mm -hmm. so she like nursed in the bath and I was like hmm like it kind of felt like she maybe actually like got something Mm -hmm. so I ended up scheduling another lactation appointment and the lactation nurses at Essentia are absolutely wonderful so um we went there and we did do a weighted feed and she just kind of, you know, watched her and she transferred like four and a half ounces. So nice. Yes. So now we are still, she's like I said, she'll be one here in like three weeks. Um, she is still breastfeeding. I do do kind of like a combo of pumping and breastfeeding because she's still like a super like it takes her a solid like half hour <laughs> to nurse. So if we're like in a hurry, we 
exposed yeah. to the bottle, but she definitely nurses at least once or twice a day and then still doing a little pumping. So, but yeah, it was quite the, quite the journey. So that's so awesome though. Like you don't hear about that a lot. Um, no, I do have one other friend who had a NICU baby as well. And she ended up being able to breastfeed him down the road as well. Kind of the same situation. But I feel like a lot of times that doesn't really happen because they're just like, meh, bottle's easier. Let's just do that. Right, right. And yeah, in some ways it almost is. You know, I know when we have our next baby, we'll definitely, you know, like I hope I'll be able to nurse them just because it is like exclusively pumping is a lot of work. It's a job. It's It's a job, yes. It's literally so much work. Like the moms that do it, I give so many props to because it's, oh between the cleaning and the pumping and like it's such a pain when you have to pump and if your kid's awake you know what I mean exactly and especially like I mean big shout out to the moms that do it for like you know till their year because like now it is such a nightmare to like pump when she's awake because she's you know yanking on my pump parts I mean all over me like you know when they're little at least you can like you know, put them somewhere and they'll stay put. But yeah, and it's different too if you're like working and you're not with them. Then I feel yes. like it's like not as hard. Right, but when you're with them and exclusively pumping. Like, oh my gosh, impossible. <laughs> impossible. I would agree. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess kind of my next question was, if you do decide to have another child, um, yep. what is your kind of plan for your pregnancy? It to if if there is one to kind of avoid everything or I mean not avoid but like help avoid right. some of the complications like what is the protocol for that yeah definitely like nervous about it happening again um it is you know you're at a higher risk once you've had preeclampsia once um so I do plan on you know I loved midwives a ton but I do plan on you know staying with Dr. Lynn just because you know if I have a feeling you know, for our next baby, I will probably have to see like MFM and I definitely would rather like be on top of it. Um, but as far as like anxiety goes, you know, I want to make sure that I get on something right away because to me, it's not even worth like, Mm -hmm. I do think that I will feel a little bit better, like having done it once. Like I'm like, okay, if I have another lazy baby, like my daughter was lazy and she's okay. So, you know, but (laughs) is there like a medication protocol to kind of um help with the preeclampsia yeah so um they typically will start aspirin actually just like a baby aspirin once a day um so probably start that pretty early Mm -hmm. on and then um I'm not sure I mean I would guess if my blood pressures are fine you know they probably won't start something but I would say if they're even a little elevated, they'll probably start something a lot sooner, you know? So, and I think another thing I will say is, you know, while I do feel like I did receive, you know, excellent care my entire pregnancy, I do feel like I did get my blood pressure, like a little brushed off as being anxiety. Yep. Which, and you know, I do think that sometimes it did play a role, you know, like I think it was probably a component in it. But also, you know, I was still getting these high readings and, you know, and part of me kind of wonders like, okay, could something, could I have been put on meds earlier, you know, if, 
it wasn't brushed off and then maybe have avoided being induced yeah. you know but again like I said I feel like I did receive great care and some things are you know hindsight's always twenty twenty. so yeah. <laughs> and you never know until you're in that situation either. exactly, like exactly. every podcast it's always like well you never know like right. especially first time moms like you just you never know <laughs> exactly you don't exactly. know what anything feels like or anything like that so mm, right um was there any else you wanted to chat about or maybe any resources that helped you during or afterwards that you want to talk about oh gosh um I'm trying to think you know it's probably like the typical resources that everyone has you know like I read a lot of books I read I love anime which is you know (laughs) classic I feel like and I don't feel like there's anything like super in particular you know I I do wish while I was pregnant that I would have like reached out for maybe like a little more help like you know saw counseling or something mm-hmm. but you know I would definitely say for people to not be like hesitant like if you do need to start on medicine or you do need to seek counseling like do it it doesn't make you a bad mom you know I agree we love, uh, what are they called? SSRIs. Love them. Yes, SSRIs. <laughs> They're great. They're great. <laughs> Best friends over here. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I think unless you have anything else you want to share, um, just thanks for coming on and joining. And I think Stella did good the rest of the podcast, so that's good. She did. Yeah, I can hear her just talking a little bit, but no more crying. So that's good. She just needed a little extra boost. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Olivia, for joining. And we'll see you guys in the next one. Yes. Thank you.